1: He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento B. We've got Kalen Jones. He is a staff writer for the Ringer. He covers the entire NFL. You can also hear him on the Friday edition of the Ringer NFL show with Ben Solak and Steven Ruiz. I love talking football with Kalen Jones, uh, one of the smartest young writers in the game doing it. He's been on the pod before. Um, we look at the Niners Rams game. We look ahead to the Niners Cowboys game. We have a really fun discussion just about kind of the playoffs overall and where the 49ers fit in the in the larger postseason picture. And then Chris and I are gonna get into a discussion about Jimmy Garoppolo, his future, gonna start to hash out that conversation, although there'll be plenty of time to have that conversation all the way through. And then, of course, a special guest joins the pod for a very special reason, and I hope you guys enjoy that. So let's get into it.
0: Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle
2: is going to go. Touchdown. Close. Got him in a second.
1: In All right, Kalen Jones is here. Kalen, thanks for jumping on the pod. Second time, you're officially a friend of the podcast. Congratulations. I know this is a career highlight for you.
3: Hey, it, it is because I think <laughs> the last time I was on here, I was talking about Sam Darnold having, you know, a chance of being good. So glad that you invited me back after that (laughs) i think we all
1: on some level had a little bit of that discussion like would you trade a fifth for him like it was it was definitely a conversation (laughs) you weren't you weren't the only one we uh we have a we have a group chat with uh with another one of our buddies who covers the niners and we were talking about it i think it was like week two they played houston maybe week three and he had a great like first quarter against houston And the the just sweeping take was Sam Darnold has turned the corner. Like okay, let's relax. (laughs) Yeah, by the so you weren't you weren't the only one.
3: Yeah, it it was pretty rough. I never like I wasn't bent on him being good, but yeah, no that that I remember watching quietly on Twitter. I was like, I'm glad I didn't say anything uh, (laughs) because that's mm, quick delete.
1: It's not not the worst take uh, ever. Let's start with 49ers Rams. Uh, you're around the Rams a lot this year. Mm. Did it surprise you that San Francisco won that game?
3: Uh, yeah, because what McVeigh's record or whatever, he's like 90% win percentage when, you know, he's up at half times. And frankly, you know, I thought the Rams were doing everything correctly. Like I, I thought the Niners weren't going to be able to move the football, but you know, I didn't count on Jimmy Garoppolo playing as well as he did in the second half. And, you know, all credit to him. Like, he he had shown throughout the season um, that he was capable of playing at that level, um, like, here and there. But for him to put together, specifically, like, that final drive after, you know, the Cooper Cup touchdown late, like, I, that, that was as good as it gets from Garoppolo. And I think even Kyle Shanahan, from a play-calling perspective, I think that's what really impressed me and just the fact that you're able to win that game.
4: So does your... Does your opinion of the 49ers change much based on what happened in that game particularly late like are are they more dangerous in your mind because they were able to to put that together in the fourth quarter against the Rams? So I, I wouldn't even say it's
3: just that. I think, you know, even in the weeks leading up except for the the Titans, you know, game like throw the second half out. I think there were a lot of reasons, you know, specifically on like they're a very balanced team. I think when you look at what the defense was able to do through the heart of the season and then through the second half, how they were able to incorporate, you know, IU back into the offense, how Shanahan was able to really unlock Devo Samuel, you know, one as a runner and then getting him back in the mix as a, as a receiver, getting the targets back towards the second half. I think just the balance is really what interesting with the Niners a lot and they have experience, you know, they're, three three years removed from the Super Bowl not too far away and this is again one of the most creative uh play callers offensively in Kyle Shanahan I think again they've maximized the production out of a lot of their young guys defensively uh when you talk about the job Domenico Ryans has done so they're absolutely dangerous going into the postseason um my opinion though I mean as far as them you know being able to compete with maybe like the heavyweights in the NFC like the Packers you know the Bucs they were able to get that far like they're definitely going to be able to compete. I think they finished top 10 DVOA in both offense and defense. So they're they're legitimate.
1: I didn't think so going into the playoffs when you looked at, you know, Tampa Bay and kind of what they were doing and um, Arizona and LA. um, It was kind of like Dallas is the team. I think I want to, if I'm the Niners that I would want to see the least, but after watching what they did against LA, is it irrational to say, or is it wrong in some way to say, well, they can just take the formula they used to beat the Rams and apply that to the Cowboys?
3: No, I, I don't think it's irrational. And I was actually going to bring that up. Um, you know, as far as like what the game plan was, and I think, you know, Nate Tice from The Athletic was talking about this today, same with Jordan Roderick. Like they were talking about how the Niners really stretched the Rams horizontally, forcing, you know, the safeties and that second level of the defense to get involved in the run fit. And not to say that Dallas is, you know, Back back end defensively isn't good, but you know it, there's ways that I can avoid Michael Parsons being involved. You know, going downhill, having to assess things going left and right as opposed to running freely downhill. I think you have a much better shot at uh, you know staying in schedule if you're in, uh, if you're on offense if you're the Niners. So I think that if you follow that template as far as being efficient offensively running the football and you stay out of third downs, you know. All due respect to Jimmy, like he had an outstanding game. But you, as long as the Niners are able to stay in schedule and they're not relying on Jimmy Garoppolo to play hero ball on third down, I think they have a really good shot. And I think that is a really you know copy and paste sort of game plan if you're Kyle Shanahan.
4: So uh, looking at the Cowboys, and and you mentioned DVOA, and I'm bringing bringing it up because the Cowboys are the top team in, in the NFL according to DVOA, right? Six offensively, second defensively. I mean, defensively, yes. they, they seem like a big play defense, right? They, they got a lot of turnovers. Um, Diggs obviously had a ton of pick sixes, and, and they have Micah Parsons, but the overall counting stats are, are a little bit more towards the middle of the road. Um, it is, you know, it, it is like, wh- where do you view Dallas's defense in terms of, like DVOA is very impressive, and the big plays are obviously very impressive, but they are allowing four and a half yards of carry. Um, you know, they are 19th overall in yardage and and they are seventh in scoring, but just what's your opinion of that defense and, and are there weaknesses that you think Kyle Shanahan can exploit?
3: Yeah, no, I really like the Cowboys defense again for the star power and like you mentioned the ability to generate turnovers. Um, I think we saw early in the season, you know, when they weren't able to, you know, their offense is really what kept them in those type of games, like especially against like the Buccaneers, for example. um, You know, they're able to, you know, hang around despite giving up so many points because of the turnovers they were able to generate. But, you know, like that being said, I mean, outside of Parsons, I mean, the interior rush, I like also the Diggy Zua. I think Tristan Hill's like come along in terms of the interior pass rush. But like you said, they're giving up four yards, you know, running the football. And this is really what the Niners excel in, which is, you know, that zone rushing scheme they're able to get you horizontally going and they'll still pick up, you know, four or five yards. And I think the problem for Dallas, you know, if you're going into this matchup is, you know, how, you know, well can your linebackers play against, you know, like where, how can you make sure your linebackers aren't in conflict? And I'm not sure if there's a real, you know, solution to that going up against a team or offense in this case, You know, coached by Kyle Shanahan, who is known for being really creative pre-snap, getting you going one way and then, you know, running the ball the other way or giving, you know, selling one look and then giving the ball to a different player, for example, like Debo Samuel. Like, I just don't know if there is a specific player on that Dallas defense who is going to be able to, you know, slow down, you know, whether it's Debo Samuel getting the football out of the backfield or Elijah Mitchell. Like it's it's hard to imagine that there is a specific matchup that Dallas is looking at that and
1: saying we have an advantage. Is Leighton Vander Esch the kind of player that I feel like whenever there's a linebacker who's not very good, Kyle Shanahan's going to circle that guy and be like, "Hey, we're going to make you do things you're not good at." Um, is Leighton Vander Esch the kind of player? Because when I found out the Niners were matched up against Dallas, that was the first player that popped to mind. I was like, man, that guy's going to be in hell on Sunday. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that an accurate assessment of his game?
3: Um, I think, what, what is it, Stephen Ruiz from, you know, the ringer with us, he call, mm-hmm. calls it like the Shanna scope or something like that. Whatever <laughs> Shanahan finds like a, a weak player and then exploits him throughout the game. Um, Vander Esch, I mean, I like him, especially again, that's a guy who's good going downhill. But mm-hmm. like you said, in terms of, pass coverage within you know that five to ten yards you know get him going backwards and trying to diagnose things quickly you know that that's not his strong suit and so I think you know being on you know that weak side type of uh, within their formation I I think I don't know man like I I just don't I don't think there's like a chance that he's able to hang with anybody that they have on offense I think that they'll be able to really exploit him on a play-to-play basis it's just you know, not just him. Then you're asking, like, I'm thinking of the domino effect. My brain just kind of processing everything. Like there, there's a domino effect to not just, you know, Vander Esch being involved in the run fit and, you know, being, being, you know, exploited. Then you're asking, you know, Keanu Neal to to be kind of a savior, you're asking Michael Parsons to be involved as a linebacker, as opposed to getting after the passer, which is probably where he's going to be more effective or, you know, even going out and, and helping out the run fit. So, I, I think Leighton Van Rush is going to be in for a long day. Um, I, I think it really helps that again, like the Niners, spe- specifically the left side of that line, you have a guy like, you know, Trent Williams is able to keep everything solid on that side. Um, you know, potentially wipes away a guy like Randy Gregory uh, or Demarcus Lawrence, whichever one lines up on that side. Like it, it's going to be really difficult for the Cowboys to consistently, you know, generate pressure, keep the Niners offense from being on schedule. And I think, You know, so long as the Niners don't get into third downs or put the ball in situations where they're asking too much of Garoppolo again, like where he could potentially turn the football over, then I don't see how the Niners don't make this at least a really interesting game.
4: Switching to the the other side uh, of the field, I'm curious – what about your opinion of Dak Prescott and, and sort of the season he had and how the Niners defense matches up against that team? Because on paper, you would say, all right, the Niners pr- biggest weakness on the roster is probably at cornerback. And you look at one of the Cowboys strengths, and it's just sort of the depth of that receiving core and the, and the number of weapons that Dak Prescott has. Um, can the 49ers pass rush be good enough against that Dallas offensive line to maybe overcome some of the issues they have in the secondary? Um, or, or just h- how do you evaluate um, that matchup going into this game?
3: Yeah, that's going to be really tough because, again, Prescott is, you know, in terms of, sorry, in terms of <laughs> processing speed, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to diagnosing stuff pre-snap. And like that being said, I, I don't think the Niners have a bad pass rush. Again, like get someone like Nick Bosa is someone who you're always going to have to be concerned about. Um, I do think the right side of that line has improved this year from last season. But, um, again, like you're asking a lot of the secondary, like you mentioned, I think Fred Warner is someone who is going to be really critical specifically with an intermediate part of that game. But the thing is for the Niners is they're going to have to defend Cooper, um, and Ceedee Lant as well as Dalton Schultz, and then potentially you have to worry about a guy like Tony Pollard or even Cedric Wilson. So there, there's a lot that the Niners have to worry about in this, in this matchup, um, I, I do like some of the younger players, like specifically within the secondary. I think the guy who, who made the game when you pick him, Ambry Thomas
1: mm-hmm.
3: has flashed here and there. Um, there was another defensive back. I forget his name. I, I always mispronounce it. Lemon, Lamone. Uh, I can't remember. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Like he, he's, <laughs> I liked him early. There was a point in the season where I was like, Oh, he's like flashing in there, but um, yeah, it, it's yeah, going to tough. be a lot. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's been tough since then. <laughs> <Right>. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- you're asking a lot out of that young secondary, though, if, sec- if their pass rush isn't able to get home. But, again, like, I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, I-, I think Prescott in that offense should be able to generate points, not necessarily at will, but they should be able to put up a pretty significant amount on, on the scoreboard. I think it- the best way to remedy that if you're the Niners is, you know, either play clock control on offense, keep possession as long as you can, and try to you know avoid turning the football over. And I think that if they can make it close you know, if the offense can stay on schedule.
1: I want to zoom out real quick and kind of look at the NFL postseason as a whole and the entire uh, playoff picture. If I told you, I, I show up at your door from the future and I say, either one of these two teams, the Titans or 49ers won the Super Bowl, who do you think did? Did that oh make sense? God. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you either the Titans or the 49ers won the Super Bowl, which one won it?
3: Oh my god. Probably the Titans just because they 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 don't make any sense to me. Like <laughs> I, I think they're a really well-coached team because I think they overperform, but at the same time they win against teams that they, you know, I I don't think they have any business beating and They've right. consistently done it. And that's in specifically over the past month or two, however long it's been without Derrick Henry. Like it, it's crazy I could
1: see them doing it. Yeah. Uh, and they have this, the first round bye, which helps. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, along similar lines, it, it seems like this year, and, and maybe it happened with the Packers late on later on in the season, but there wasn't that one team really all season in the NFC that felt like, all right, this is the powerhouse team. This is the team you have to go beat. Um, because they're they're just a step or a level above everybody else right and and you know going to Green Bay is obviously going to be an issue for whoever has to do it but in in your mind do you agree with the idea that the NFC is a little bit more wide open than than maybe we're used to seeing and that maybe a wild card team could could make a significant run uh, and, and potentially get to the Super Bowl this year maybe more than others
3: yeah, no, I definitely agree with the idea that the NFC is wide open. I'm trying to think, I was trying to think in my head, like how many you know seasons where I felt like there's this much parity within the conference, but it's absolutely wide open. And I do think that there's a chance that, I mean, especially now with only one team getting a bye, like there's definitely a strong chance that the team that plays on wildcard weekend ends up playing in the Super Bowl and represents the conference. It's just I think really one through seven, or really one through six, not, no offense to the Eagles, I, be, I, yeah. maybe they have something <laughs> in them, but that that would surprise me. Like one through six, I would genuinely think, you know, any of those six teams have a shot at reaching the Super Bowl. Um, it, it wouldn't but again, and again, like that being said, like the Niners having that experience you know, having done it, you know, two, three years ago or whatever, like it wouldn't shock me at all, really. It, it probably would surprise me if, you know, Jimmy G is still playing at the level that, he did it at the back half of that Rams game. If he was the reason behind it, but other than that, like I, you know, if if you'd show me, you know, any of the six being in the Super Bowl prior to the season starting, maybe I question it a little bit, but I wouldn't be whole like wholly surprised.
1: Where are the where do you think the Rams are at? Like, are they are they dangerous? Are they like a couple Matthew Stafford turnovers away from losing to Arizona? Like what? What's the deal with them? Because I think we saw the Jekyll and Hyde on Sunday against San Francisco, where like they come out on fire, and it's like, wow, there's not a lot of teams in the league that are going to beat this team. And then in the second half, it's like, there's not a lot of teams in the league this team's going to beat.
3: Yeah, no, that that's a great question because I don't even know if the Rams really know where they're at, which it's a little yeah. scary, you know, going into the <laughs> postseason. Like, right, right, like that. That's not where you want to be going into the postseason. Um, you know they they move mountains to get Stafford, and I think he's played at the level that they'd expect him to. It's just again, like you mentioned, the turnovers, like the really, you know, poorly timed turnovers. And I don't know if that's just a matter of luck, or if this is just you know something that's been a trend over the course of Stafford's career that just won't ever be broken at any point. Um, but you know, like you mentioned, when when they are firing on all cylinders. There's, I don't think there's a team in the NFC that can hang with them. And that's including the Packers. Like, I, I picked them to one the Super Bowl prior to the season start. But I did not anticipate Stafford being as inconsistent as he's been throughout the second half of the year. And now I'm even more concerned, you know, with Jordan Fuller, their starting safety being out because now, you know, you're reaching into the depths of their secondary. And truth be told, they don't have a lot of depth in that area, like specifically at safety. You know, where you're asking Nick Scott to play a lot of minutes. I know that at cornerback, they've been they've already had to rotate a lot of guys in there, and I think it's concerning. You know, in terms of the back seven with the Rams, like moving forward, going to the postseason, like if they're going to be able to, you know, play at a high enough and consistent enough level for them, you know, to progress, you know, deep enough to feel like this is a successful season. But like that being said, they're they they have to rely on again, like the the star power that they've collected which is smart, you know, in, in retrospect, because again, they, they've had the, you know, rely on so many, you know, depth pieces to this point. But if you can get, you know, you know, a big performance out of guys like Von Miller, um, Aaron Donald, who's played again, like defensive player of the year level. Um, and then again, on offense, like the fact that Stafford is surrounded by guys like, again, Cam Akers coming back to Tyler Higby's there, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, who, you know, just posted the second best receiving season of all time. Like, they, there's a lot of star power that allows McVay allows that coaching staff to really, you know, not rely on, you know, the third fourth guys on, on the depth chart, which is gr- like helpful, but at the same time, those third and fourth guys, third and fourth guys on, on the depth chart can't make, you know, crucial mistakes. And if they're making mistakes, in addition to staff are making mistakes, then they, I, I don't know how far the Rams really go this postseason, but, it's hard to make sense of them, man. especially going into a matchup against the Cardinals who, you know, they, they've been jekyll. They are the epitome of Jack. Yeah. So this is going to be a crazy matchup.
4: So you, as somebody you observe the entire league and, and you write about everybody and I'm curious, I'm always curious to ask people who cover the league at large about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because there are a few different, there are a few different viewpoints about Garoppolo going into this off season, right? There's, well, you know, nobody's going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because everybody knows the 49ers just want to get rid of him in that salary and teams are just going to wait for him to get cut. And then there's another line of thinking, which is more of mine, which is that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has trade value. And if you get a team um, that wants him, maybe you get a fourth that it turns into a conditional third based on how many starts and they rework his contract as something more palatable, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems, And, you know, I don't think this is a possibility, but it's we can't rule it out entirely in that the 49ers bring him back, maybe at a reduced salary, depending on potentially what happens in this postseason. But if you were to forecast what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo um, and and Bill Simmons asked you to write that piece for the ringer, what's the uh, what's what's your thesis sounding like?
3: (laughs) I think I wrote something similar. Um, actually, like right before the draft or after the draft, when they got Trey Lance. Um, and if I remember correctly, like again, it was sort of this unknown. Like it's it's hard to pinpoint what they're gonna do. I to answer your question, I'll stop. You know, dancing around it. I think that he ends up getting traded. Um, I know that we've joked about it on the pod that he ends up on the Browns, but I mean, I, I think they're gonna end up rolling with Baker Mayfield again. And that being said, the salary is pretty hefty i'm trying to think of teams off the top of my head that could potentially take him i mean if i don't know is houston serious right like are they serious enough yet they could potentially be in the mix since you know the quarterback class for this year isn't that great and david maybe mills you know ha- having him around and competing with them that could be something that interests them um unless terod taylor stays there but it, it's hard to make sense like I, I and i think like the panthers could potentially be in that mix too like it they're I'm sorry. I'm not answering the question, but it really really is difficult to like pinpoint where Jim Garoppolo is going to end up next year. Like I, I personally would be shocked if he is in San Francisco. So
4: you could look at, I mean, for me, it's like Denver, you know, maybe the giants, um, Houston, Miami, new Orleans. I think Sean Payton would figure out how to make it work with Jimmy Garoppolo Pittsburgh. eh.
1: Here's, here's my question. Here's my question though. Um, Chris and I, Kaylen, I'm going to ask you this because Chris and I are, are connected to it a little differently. So the, the reaction and the ripple effect, uh, would be different. What's your reaction? Pittsburgh trades a fourth round pick to San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that making any kind of wave or is it just like, eh, all right. Like Pittsburgh's kind of where they were a couple of years ago, which was um, an 11 0 start, which wasn't bad, but.
3: It, exactly right 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 that's the thing like I, I don't think that's a bad move at all i think that keeps them competitive within the afc north and definitely within the afc um i don't know it, and it wouldn't be too, too surprising like a fourth round pick is a, a bad you know payout for Jimmy garoppolo considering what uh sam McDonald fetched like a first or second round pick whatever it was you know to go from the jets yeah. to the, the panthers last year so i i wouldn't hate that and if you're you know the the Steelers I don't think that's a bad that's not the worst thing you could do you know because you get immediately a I mean depending on your perception of him like at least a start like an average level starter like at the very least you know you're getting an out av- whether you believe he's playing consistently or inconsistently he'll ultimately give you average starting quarterback playing the NFL which is right. really what you need if you're Mike Tomlin he'll figure it out if you're the worst starting quarterback in the NFL and he'll still drag it to eight. eight. So I think with <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo starting, you probably get 11 wins out of that. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So I don't think that's a bad fit for him at all. I just don't know if he'd want to go there and I don't know how welcoming Pittsburgh's fan base would be of him, going from Ben to him.
1: This is a indirectly related to Jimmy Garoppolo. Even though I, I don't think he's the answer to this question. Um, I'm just kind of interested looking at the NFC. If it's Rogers one as, as the best quarterback in the, in the conference, maybe the best quarterback in the NFL, possibly the MVP, uh, is Brady two. Who's the number three quarterback in the NFC right now?
3: Ooh, um, Prescott off the top of my head. We got to think about it. Sorry. Gone through all the playoff teams in my head. It's gotta be Prescott. Right.
1: Dak, Kyler, Stafford, Jimmy, Jalen. Yeah, it's and it's, it's
3: Prescott. It's Prescott. It's definitely Prescott. Okay. Um, like I especially before he injured his calf, he was playing, he was playing lights out, man. He was playing like top five caliber football. And mm-hmm. I know that he kind of, again, like he was beating up on the Eagles backups in week 18 or week 17, whichever week we just had. Um but, you know, like, he 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 had, he was phenomenal to start the season before he got injured. And even then, like, I think the only reason, like, y- you saw him play out of sorts was he was probably, like, hesitant because of the injury. And I feel like even then, like, he was just kind of a tick away from being, you know, back at the high level that we saw earlier in the year. Because, again, like, the first four or five weeks, I thought he was playing, like, MVP caliber level quarterbacking. It's just once he suffered that injury after beating the Patriots and OT, like it, it, it just kind of went downhill from there and we'll see whether he, you know, he can pick it up again against you guys. But after last week, it, it's not a guarantee.
4: Let's we'll get, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. What's your, uh, what's your prediction for Niners Cowboys?
3: Uh, I have the Cowboys winning, but uh, I'm taking them 31, 27. I'm giving you a number right now. Um, but I love that. I had it ready. But that, that's the thing. Like, I could – I i hate copping out here. I could easily see that – like, see that being flipped. Just because, huh. again, I I, tr- I trust sure. Kyle Shanahan, dude. Like, I do. I do. And sure. we'll see. But I got the Cowboys right now.
1: Um, Jordan Rodrigue was on this podcast uh, before the 49ers-Rams game, and we asked her for a prediction, and she hit us with, it could go either way. So <laughs> – <laughs> And and to her credit it all it was almost a tie (laughs) which is literally uh sitting on the fence so shout out to you for having a team and score ready to rock that was great
3: i try man (laughs) like i feel jordan now like we think existentially so i i I feel i feel (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much for joining us
4: man man. this was great
3: of course y'all thanks for having me it's true again hopefully no hopefully no nothing worse than the sandron will take (laughs) <laughs> That's all. <I'm> <laughs> so far. well i
1: wrote i wrote down all the takes so uh if it if it comes back we'll 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 be here
4: oh boy <laughs> all
1: right you're, Kalen, always, thanks, you're always
4: welcome for uh for a mulligan on here if if anything like that does come to pass so i'm
3: glad i'm glad because i have needed like 20 million mulligans this season
4: <laughs> same <laughs>
1: who among us all right caitlin thanks man
3: thanks man of course, Appreciate guys, it. thanks for having me
1: You know, talking to Kalen made me realize that and this is a little bit why the 49ers made the move they did for Trey Lance. And we may have a special guest joining us mid-pod here. We're doing it live. I think You're he's gonna join recorded. us right now.
4: Oh so, wait, no, he's not. So we've got Go we,
1: we're gonna have we're gonna have a special, we're gonna we, we're gonna have a special guest. It's gonna sound a little choppy because we're doing this live, but it will be obviously recorded for you. But something that something that Kalen brought up that I hadn't really thought about but when you look at like Jimmy Garoppolo's performance on Sunday and it's like man like he's a capable quarterback sometimes like it's kind of risky to get rid of a guy like that but that's how I think teams kind of fall into mediocrity is overpaying for quarterbacks that aren't going to carry them and when you look at this NFC slate then 49ers unless um, maybe unless they play Philly are going to have the worst quarterback in every game. And they will very likely have the worst quarterback in the Super Bowl if they were to go that far.
4: Oh, that's a fun game. And
1: yeah, I mean, you can just you can. It's Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger's in the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Ben Roethlisberger.
4: Wait, wait, you forgot the top seed in the AFC,
1: Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan he's Tannehill. better than Ryan Tannehill. He's at least. I think he's better than Ryan Tannehill.
4: I got it. Oh, let's, let's get our special guests in here to answer it As our answer special guest first.
1: in, in the building. Here he is the alpha, of the podcast, Joe fan in the building, fresh off a 75 at TPC Summerlin, Joe fan. Congratulations on your first ever 75 on the golf course. This is huge for you.
2: It is huge for me. Uh, honestly, I feel like a superhero right now. Um, <laughs> It it really was like, uh, I, I would like make live, like it felt like an out of body experience. And like, I just kept waiting for like things to go South and for like the swing to fall apart. And it just, it never did. And it was, it was just so smooth. It was, it was fairway, green, two putt, fairway, green, two putt. I mean, I was in very little trouble. I wasn't scrambling for bogey. I had some nice up and downs just like, but they were like Texas wedge off the green. And then one putt from there. Um, I mean, it, it was, and then birding 18 was, was sick. It was like an eight foot bender that just fell in the, the very end. And that's how it capped around. Yeah. It was awesome. Man. I'm not going to lie. I'm, <laughs> I've been feeling myself all day.
4: That's this awesome. Is,
2: we've been enjoying some cervezas today.
4: Congratulations. Well, uh, before we, we have some football questions for you in a second, okay. but can we go through the play-by-play of your Instagram post? because oh, yeah! Give it to me. I mean, your fit's really impressive. Like for somebody who, you know, like a a casual golfer, like the the gray, like matching the gray pants with the sleeves, and then the red. And then, it, are you wearing gray shoes too? They're white.
2: white they're just dirty. They're white. Oh, they're, okay. uh, <laughs> those are <clears throat> those are uh echoes which are super comfy to walk in.
4: Yeah. So, and then you have, so it's the picture of you standing, I'm assuming at what's the final T and then you got the scoreboard up there. Like how would you format that?
2: Okay. So this is sweet. Uh, (laughs) On, on the uh, the app I use shout out to the grin. It's the, everyone should use it. It's GPS. It keeps your handicap. It's everything. Okay. And, um, (laughs) so on once when you post you have like and you have like friends where it's like your instagram feed but it's all your friends in the rounds they've posted and it says it says turn your scorecard into like a a score photo or something whatever and i was like i don't know what that means but also just like how dweeby is it but like the guys i played with luckily i didn't play alone because no one would have believed me that i did it but i played with these two guys i played with myself as a solo and i matched with these two guys really nice guys they probably shot about 110 and 130 each. You know, they had a fun, but they had fun. Uh, and I was like, this is really dorky, but like, can you guys take a photo of me to like commemorate <laughs> like this, this day? Like, this, I, I was like, I, I was like tiger fist pumping on 18 when that birdie putt went in. Like, I was in shock. I was like, I just shot 75. I can't believe a plus three. That's unheard a, a, a of.
4: You're I only birdie tri- of the round on 18. That's sick. Yeah.
2: I usually triple the first hole and that's where I, you know, and then it's downhill from there. So anyways, on the Grint, you, you like I tapped this option and it was like, I had the photo and it says you can put a photo in and they have different like kind of graphic options and they put that on there. So like that's through the app, which is sick. I was like, this looks super official. <laughs> uh, so, two things. Two it things. looks like a tour fit. It's One the, well, you know, sure, tucked in. Play good. <laughs> um, I want
1: I want to point out here that you compared yourself to Tiger Woods there. Uh, um, no, I said, which I is did fu- a Tiger you know,
2: fist pump. I didn't compare myself to Tiger, I just uh, okay. I, I stole his move.
1: Uh, r- r- just by the way, this is <laughs> this is Joe Fan, he's a host and brand ambassador for Win Bet. Uh, he hosts the Bet to Win podcast on Blue Wire Pods. Uh, formerly covered the 49ers uh, and the Seahawks. My favorite part about this is your your golf post of you shooting a 75 was three hours ago. Your next tweet is, question, what is the best route for live streaming video on Twitter now that Periscope is RIP, which to me reads like you're going to start filming all of your rounds of golf? Live. I
2: should. I should. You guys ready for this? Oh, yeah. Another one? That a boy.
1: You got Hello. your case of Candlestick Chronicles. Nice.
2: I love that sound. I do. Yeah. Thanks for sending those to me, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, no, it was, this is not a fun, interesting story, but my boss wants us to Perfect. do some like content with our trading team, like with WinBet, like the guys who control our book and our lines and our odds, which is cool. But like spaces is like really easy, but it's audio only. So I'm trying to figure out, Periscope used to be so easy. And now mm-hmm. there's not really that kind of seamless option. Anyways, IG live dog. Can you can you send it anywhere, though? IG Live yeah. is the easiest. I think you so. Can, all right. Well,
1: um, i play with We it. can talk about this off-air. Can yeah. we talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. football? Joe, Let's talk
4: about football. Where's, the, where's the smart money, uh, Niners, Cowboys? I think Niners are, what, plus three and a half, four. a half?
2: Four? Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners any way I can get them. I'm taking the really? Niners money line. I'm taking the Niners against the spread. I'm taking the Niners in a teaser. I sort of love teasing every underdog this week, except for the Steelers. Who are just so terrible that I just, there's no way. I will probably tease the Bengals to pick them because I just, I I have decided I'm gonna sink with the ship as any good captain does. I'm gonna, I've been betting against the Raiders and losing for weeks and I will not, I just, I will just continue to lose if they still somehow continue to win games. Um, I love the Niners. Uh, I think the Cowboys are really good. So it's not like taking the Cowboys lightly sort of deal. I do think they miss Michael Gallup a lot. Um, but I just think the Niners are a dangerous team and we know how bad they can look when it's not working. And we know, I mean, we saw the full gambit of Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw the absolute pinnacle um, kind of shades of that saints game a couple of years ago when they went to the super bowl. Um, and then we also saw the, the bad, which is just egregiously terrible. And like that pick in the end zone when the game is tied and all of a sudden you're not getting points, I mean, it was like eight yards behind George Kittle. I mean, it was just a terrible throw. It was a terrible decision to begin with. And so, yeah, on their best day, I mean, the Niners as an underdog. I'll I'll happily take them. Um, You know, the Cowboys haven't really beat anybody, and they've got some really bad losses. And I I think it's going to be a wonderful game, but, but I don't know. I just think there's nothing that the Niners, when they're playing well, don't do well. So they can beat you defensively. They obviously run the football well. Uh, but they've got targets in the passing game that are explosive. And they've got three legitimate, um, to steal the phrase of the podcast, alphas in Brandon, IU, mm. Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. So um, I would love for them to not start 17 nothing in the hole. Um, but if they're able to get off to a good start, I, to me, this is a, a really a great opportunity for the Niners to – to go win a game on the road in the playoffs.
1: Can they make a run if they have the worst quarterback? This is what we were talking about before you interrupted our podcast. Um, can they make a run if <laughs> if they have the worst quarterback in every game they play? Cuz that seems like what they're on track to do.
2: I need to go back and look at the Super Bowl run, but you could argue they've already done it once. Oh, right.
4: Yeah, but they, but they were the cousins. top seed. They had home field and the bye and all that. And a better but,
2: but this this team, yeah, maybe not as good, but is still sort of the same kind of makeup. Um, you know, the defense isn't the defense isn't uh what's going on here? Lost you guys. The this defense isn't that's really the big difference. I think the offense is every bit as good, if maybe not. If not better than what it was that Super Bowl year, the defense just is. I mean, they were the number one defense all year long, but they're still what top 10 across the board in every category. So, um, I just think you can't bank on their best day showing up, um, as frequently as it did in 2019. But this team is still every bit is dangerous, in my opinion. Um, you know, you just got to hope Jimmy Garoppolo is not turning the ball over three times.
4: So I think we all agree, all three of us here would say that the the Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the sixth best quarterback in the, in the NFC playoff field. Um, in the AFC, though, it's a little more interesting because I think Jimmy's better than a few of those teams, potentially including the number one seed and Ryan Tannehill. So between Tannehill... Uh, Derek Carr, Mac Jones, and Ben Roethlisberger. Is Jimmy Garoppolo the best of that group?
2: No. I would take Ryan Tannehill, especially given his abilities as a runner. Okay. Uh, I would take Derek Carr, who's had a tremendous year and honestly isn't getting enough credit for what he's done this season with that team he has meant far more to that team than Jimmy has meant to the Niners. In my opinion, that's yeah, not a slight on I think, Jimmy, I think that's fair. but yeah. Derek Carr is, has been, I mean, not just the numbers, it's just, it's the clutch moments too. I mean, and Jimmy's had some great throws, but like what, two weeks ago, uh, in Indianapolis, Derek Carr evades pressure, steps up in the pocket, throws this ridiculous pass over the outstretched arm of defender into Hunter Renfro's hand. I mean, that sort of stuff that's just like he, he is taking a step forward for me. So I, I want to put some respect on Derek Carr's name uh, for the fact that they're in the playoffs, given all that that, that team has been through is just incredible. Um, definitely big Ben. And I would say definitely Mac Jones. Um, now I'm not going to like get in a fight with you about it. If you want to like stand on the table that he's better than Ryan Tannehill or even Derek Carr, whatever. I, but, I would say certainly better than those two and in the ballpark of the others you mentioned, just maybe at the bottom of that tier.
1: I think that's probably fair. My, my working theory is that there's like, there's like one through 14, one through 15. And then you can organize like 16 through 25, however you want. And I'm not going to argue with you in terms of like ranking quarterbacks.
2: Yeah. And I think Garoppolo
1: kind of falls in, in that tier with those other guys.
2: I would agree with you. You know, you look at, I mean, jimmy does have kind of a clutch factor to him you know totally. he's which i think is important and i think it, it certainly increases his value he's not a guy who's afraid of the moment which means a lot when you're going into the playoffs um i mean they were down 17 nothing in a must win game they're you know the saints were going to win and they were up the entire game against the falcons so uh, they knew early on that they had to win that game and to battle back and to come back from the interception. You know, I give Jimmy a ton of credit, um, you know, and granted Debo Samuel deserves a ton of credit and a lot of, you know, Brandon, Ayuk deserves a ton of credit, but I mean, Jimmy deserves his due. And I've been harder on Jimmy. And I think, you know, me and Chris, Kyle, I can't remember what, what uh, bandwagon you're on in terms of bandwagon's the wrong word, but what camp you're in, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of playing Trey Lancer, or Jimmy, but I've been on the play Trey Lance train since preseason. So, um, but it is worth giving Jimmy credit because he was, you know, magnificent, you know, down the stretch of that game outside of the pick.
4: I don't
1: think the QB situation could have gone better for the 49ers. Go ahead, Chris.
4: (laughs) Where's Jimmy playing next year? Where's the best fit? Oh, man. Denver, Washington, New Orleans. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Kyle brought Pittsburgh that up. And, we had Jones know. on the pod that that's what they talked about. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, guy.
2: Pittsburgh and Denver would be fascinating because that it's a ready made supporting cast. The fact that Denver's passing game was as anemic as it was this year was embarrassing given how loaded they are at the skill player spots. It was like they, they extended Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and then didn't throw them the football the rest of the year. <laughs> It was crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, can you imagine like Aaron Rodgers with those, that group? I mean, my goodness. No, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay, but there are some, I mean, there are QB needy teams. Like the worst case scenario is the Giants. I think we all can agree on that. And who knows who's going to be the quarterback, the Giants. But you go to Pittsburgh and you got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and uh, Pat Fryermuth
4: and Najee Harris. That's a pretty good start. More Wi Fi issues. Joe can shoot 75, but he can't get his Wi Fi straight.
1: So I think the Pittsburgh conversation is fascinating because when you talk about like, what do we say about Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers? And he's a strong run game and a good defense. Like that's how you're going to win with him. And when you look at the teams, like, okay, Denver, Denver's there for sure. But Pittsburgh's definitely there. Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger in 2020, they started 11-0. and And that was with a not very good version of Ben Roethlisberger. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be even better than that that's what Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Najee Harris plus their defense is really good I just I think Pittsburgh would be really scary that's the one team where Garoppolo could go that realistically needs a quarterback where Garoppolo would go and it would be like oh they they have a real chance to win their division now
4: yeah I, I think Pittsburgh is sort of like and maybe I'm just reading too much into how like what type of player Ben roethlisberger was but i like if jimmy got hurt in a game and had to leave and like missed a couple weeks with like an ankle sprain or something like i don't i don't see jimmy as being the type of quarterback that pit that like the pittsburgh fans would embrace
3: mm-hmm. Does that
4: makes sense like pretty boy played in california and they hate the patriots so played for the patriots like I mean, I, I agree with you from a football standpoint. I just don't know that he's the type of player that they would, that they would want, but it's going to be fascinating to see. I think new Orleans would be oh, the best yeah. fit for Jimmy because Sean Payton, like Sean Payton would be perfect for Garoppolo. And if there's a, if there's a coordinator slash head coach who could maximize a guy who's not pushing the ball downfield a ton, it's Sean Payton because that's essentially what Drew Brees was for the second half of his career. Um,
1: and that's and that's another team with a great run game and a great defense already there
4: and skill guys. I mean, Michael Thomas is going to oh, come yeah. back. Yeah, so um, he gets to play indoors. That's where he had his big game in 2019. Obviously, so yeah, I mean, we can talk about that as it comes. And and for for all we know, the Niners are are working up a uh, an extension and gonna bring <laughs> Jimmy back for a couple of years at a reduced number
1: <laughs> man that that would be that would be wild yeah I do think it's gonna be interesting because like we talked about it his trade value right now when you look at what he did against LA when you start looking into the offseason again we're, we're, we'll preview the Cowboys game later on this week we're not skipping ahead to the offseason here but when you look at that conversation um I think Garoppolo's trade value right now. You're like, oh man, like they might get like a like a second or third round pick, or maybe a team gets desperate and hands over a first. But what happens if they go to Dallas and he throws three interceptions and a loss? Right. Or what happens if what what happens if he throws that interception against the Rams and the the Rams go down and they bleed the rest of the clock and they score with six seconds left? You know, and, and then we're looking at wow, he threw a game sealing pick. So I still think that the pendulum is going to swing a lot based on how this next game or two or three or four go.
4: Yeah. Um, I got a message from Joe who had to leave because of wifi issues. He says, thanks for the invite. Good times as always signed the alpha of the pod. Um, Very fair. <laughs> Yeah. Good for Joe. That was a very spur of the moment thing. We Kyle mentioned that he shot a 75 today and I, uh, and I figured we should just see if, or, or we figured if we should just get him on the pod and, uh, and talk to him about it. And he's got good football takes and he's a, he's a blue wire team member. So.
1: It is fascinating by the way, the way you and I and 49er fans i talked to view the team and the way people in the betting space view the team because you, you asked Joe, Hey, what do you think? And he's like, I'm taking the Niners every which way I can take them. I have a friend who is a professional sports better. And he's like, yeah, our, our analytics love the 49ers. Our analytics love Jimmy Garoppolo. And I just, it's, it's wild when people just separated from it. Like people who whose interest is not in having a favorite but in his whose interest it is winning money, like like the 49ers and lean on the 49ers and that's that's part of the reason that I think you know when you talk about this team making a run, you said this a couple of podcasts ago, and I thought it was really true. You can't look at the three and five start anymore. like that's very clearly not what this team is. This team is the one that's gone seven and two since. And when you're putting that version of the 49ers up against Dallas, that's a winnable game. Up against this version of Tampa Bay that is not very good defensively, at least not nearly as good as they were last year, like that's okay. That's a less daunting game. And again, you got to go one step at a time. But I I do think that, you know, a few weeks ago we we're like, well, even if they make the playoffs, who do you want to play? Well now it's like, hey, all these are kind of winnable winnable games in a vacuum.
4: Since week seven, the Niners are eight and three against the spread. Man. But they're nine and seven against the spread mm-hmm. overall. No, wait, that doesn't make sense. One, two, three, four, five, three plus five. Yeah. They're nine and eight overall for the season, but they started out one and five and then they're eight and three. (sighs) Sorry. Doing math on the fly. Not my, not my strong suit. Um, Same, but yeah, I, I think they can be dangerous. Like I, I could, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat Dallas and then, Like, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went to the NFC Championship game. I'm not expecting it, but they're the type. The thing is, is they play with a lot of physicality, Mm -hmm. right? Like the third quarter of that Rams game, when they absolutely had to have it, just started hitting the Rams in the mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the the, the typical reaction to falling down 17, nothing is like, okay, you got to throw it. You got to get back. They're like, no, we're just going to run it down your throat and you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to stop us. And even Dallas, like as good as their defense is, I still think the Niners are going to be able to run on them. Mm -hmm. And the Niners are a very tough team to beat when they can run the ball. The question is going to be, can they make enough plays through the passing game if Dallas is putting 10 guys in the box? Right. And I think I, I think potentially they can if they get the good version of Jimmy Garoppolo. But even as impressive as Garoppolo was against the Rams, there were still a few plays where you're like, oh, that was close, close to being a pick. Right. And then there was, you mm-hmm. know, the awful pick. His first pick was horrendous, just like no one was right. there. And then the second one was trying to force it into George Kittle and quadruple coverage. But no, if they if they went and beat Dallas and then they went and beat Green Bay, that wouldn't surprised me at all.
1: Me neither. The they only way it would be Green Bay is if... Built for January.
4: Yeah, they're kind of built for January. They would need to stay healthy, obviously. They need to avoid turning the ball right. over. But, yeah, 8-3 and three against the spread in their last 11 games. Good
1: teams win, great teams cover.
4: I'm excited to dig team. in. Yeah. Wow. Wait, what? Are you calling the Niners a great team?
1: If they keep covering, yeah.
4: Okay. They're a good team.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're a good no, team with uh, potential
4: to be a, a great team
1: yeah i mean if they this is probably true for a lot of teams where like hey if you pick that half and they play like that all the time but like it's not out of the realm that the 49ers put together a couple full games like the second half against la
4: yeah they're a team that has potential to be greater than the sum of their parts yes Does that make sense Yes. Because you have Kyle Shanahan, you have familiarity, like all of these guys have been there in the system. Jimmy Garoppolo knows the system. Like they have, They. It, I think they can be a team that's like, well, their cornerback situation sucks. You're not really sure about the quarter, but it might just be like they just play really well because of the culture and the system and Kyle Shanahan's play calling and Debo Samuel being incredible. Like they there's certainly a formula for them to to make a run here, so yeah. I, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not necessarily expecting it, but it wouldn't it, not, it wouldn't surprise me to go to, if they went in and beat Dallas.
1: Me neither. I might actually pick them on Friday.
4: Yeah, I mean if we'll they see. can run the ball, then that's that's gonna be real problematic. I gotta, I gotta
1: I gotta pop in the film and take a look, but
4: see how they. We'll discuss
1: uh, that Friday. Our guy paid. Yeah, totally. Uh, our guy KD Drummond from the Cowboys Wire is going to join us. Friend of the pod. Really enjoyed talking football with KD. He's going to join us on our pod that's dropping on Friday. Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? KD's my guy. Um, big KD guy.
4: Big KD guy. Uh, do I have anything
1: else? No. no All right. I'm going to sit up. We will see you guys Friday then, or you will hear us on Friday. Subscribe, rate, review if you haven't.